It's seven figures, all the information that you need to dominate your finances. I'm Sandy Waters. I know that your time is so valuable, so precious. So thank you for checking out the podcast every week. If you're new to the show, well, welcome. The focus of each episode is to help you achieve your financial goals. And it doesn't matter how much money you bring in. It's what you do with the money you have. What's your biggest financial burden right now? If the first thing that came to mind was college debt, you are not alone. The majority of Americans are saying the same thing. Well over half of people in their 40s are still paying off their college loans. On average, about $30,000 left to pay. So what do you do? Is there a way to pay this down quicker? And if you have a kid who is close to college age, how can you alleviate the financial burden for them? We're going to do the best we can to help you out today. We cash in with our expert, Paul Selich, founder of College Assistance Plus. CollegeAssistancePlus.com, a service that guides families through every step of the process, finding the most affordable way. First, I want to take a sec to say thank you to our sponsors, Family First Credit Union, big supporters of financial education. We love them. They believe that earning and learning go hand in hand. And Family First is here to help you and the greater Rochester community with both. All right, Paul, we it's so great. We get a lot of feedback from our listeners. So today I invited Angela to join our conversation. Good morning, Angela. Good morning. Angela, I'm sure of it. A lot of other parents have the same questions that you do. So if if you don't mind giving us some of the details about what you're going through. Okay. So here's the situation. I am a mother to four kids and uh, my, my husband had a previous marriage and he has two daughters and they're my stepdaughters, but I've been raising them full time for most of their lives and their mother's not in the picture. So they were young teenage parents when, when they had them, and I myself am, am currently just starting to pay my own school loans and with four kids, you know, and, and a car payment and a mortgage. We're pretty much extended as far as we can with only one of us working. So we're trying to figure out how we can best help her to finance her education and what resources are available to help her. Thank you for your question. You know, it really is, uh, as Sandy pointed out, this is a very common situation. Uh, so let me just ask some baseline questions first. When you say the biological mother was not involved, is she living in Rochester? We don't know where she lives. We don't have contact no information. Contact? And, and we're assuming that that's going to make things rather difficult because we know that a lot of these scholarships, these these forms, uh, the FAFSA included, they, they re- require a great deal of information that perhaps we don't necessarily have. If, the reason I ask where, uh, where she was living is if she were in Rochester, and you could get her financial information if she's not remarried. That could be a, a tremendous benefit to her daughter. She, well, see, she is remarried. Um, okay. okay. But we don't know anything about her current living situation. We don't need, All we have for her is a P.O. box. Okay. Well, let me ask this. Uh, with your, in your present situation, do you guys make, uh, from an adjusted gross income standpoint, less than $110,000 a year? Yes. Okay. Your daughter, your stepdaughter qualifies for the Excelsior Scholarship. Now, what that means is... She could commute to Brockport or MCC. Yes, so, we actually looked into that. Brockport's actually my alma mater. You know, the the biggest profit margin that colleges have is room and board. That's, uh-huh. that's why they all want you to live there. But but with the Excelsior Scholarship, your daughter qualifies for a $6,749 scholarship, which means full tuition at Brockport. So the only thing you'd be responsible for is books, which is pretty simple. Um, yeah. So I would... The, the path I would take is 
uh, and I can help you. You know, you have our, our website, uh, Sandy gave you that, and, and my personal office number is 585-582-1846. I'll help you with your submission of your FAFSA, so it's made sure that it's done correctly, and we can help your daughter uh, in a material way. Now, one other thing I just want to mention to you, and it sounds like you're, you're very experienced when it comes to college. The average student changes majors four times in college. This is universal, not just New York State. So right. we we work very hard to get the student to understand what he or she wants to do after college. And that's where the big hole is in the whole college process. You know, we've, we talk to families all the time that have, uh, I just met with a young man the other day that's got a degree from a Buffalo college. 84 people took that degree in his class. None of them are working. And this is, they all graduated in May. But but I can tell you, uh, Angela, one of the biggest issues is uh, young people, and this, this is understandable. We've all been 17 years old. Who knows what you want to do when you're 17? But it's really, really important that you don't that you don't take extra courses or go extra extra semesters. The average student in New York State right now in private and public colleges goes five and a half years for a four year degree. And that's absurd. So Angela is doing it right, and her daughters she are really doing is. it right with just saying, "Hey, SUNY school, let's start there." Right, but right. You're you're so on target, as Sandy said. She has really good grades, and she's mm-hmm. a go getter as far as that goes. And she's actually going to be doing a program next year. She does rotations in very nursing fields. Oh, that's great! Because she, she wants to do nursing. She wants to be an OB nurse. Our contention is that anything to do in healthcare today is good because with the aging of America. You know, I read the other day that uh, the, the amount of centenarians, you know, people over 100 uh, in the United States is doubling every year. So think about anything to do with healthcare is going to be a critical ingredient. But the other thing, I, just let me remind you of one thing. You mentioned your own student loans. It's imperative that neither you or your husband uh, miss a loan payment uh, because what that will do if your daughter wants to go on for a master's degree, uh, that will negate her ability to borrow money. If you ever default on your own personal student loans, it impacts the student. So just remember that. Oh, I didn't right. realize that. Yeah. And, but, Angela, please call me. I, I'd love to help you. I mean, we're in the helping business. and uh, I will call you because yeah. you've been already so much help. And, you know, I'd love to ask you a few more questions. Maybe mm-hmm. on the side. I'm sure the information you've given me has been a great help to others as well. You know, when I started this business 14 years ago, there was $200 billion in student loans. Today there's a trillion four. This is so out of control. And, you know, you you are a professionally and highly educated person, but you know the um, the drag on, on your personal life and your family's life that student loans are. It's just crazy. Yeah. So we, we are adamant about minimizing student loans and also making sure any loans your daughter would take out would be in her name and you and your husband don't have to co-sign for them. That's extremely important. This might be a very silly question because I'm still a handful of years away from this, but to even file the paperwork for the Excelsior program. Where do you obtain that paperwork from it's, the college themselves? No, 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 it's New York State. It's a, it's a New York State website, Sandy. It's HESC, Higher Education Scholarship Com- uh, Committee. And, and, you know, you can get the application right online. It's okay. easy. You know, honestly, I'm a, I'm a very conservative person, but this is a wonderful thing for our, our students in New York State. Okay. And it's also, it's also made, uh, frankly, in our business, because a lot of kids go to private colleges, it's made it somewhat easier to negotiate with private colleges because they really are afraid of this. So if there are more, there's an influx of students now going to school, right? So they're filling the classroom seats. So now it's more competitive to get in, even at some of these SUNY well, schools. Well, you know, Sandy, I'll tell you, that's actually a misnomer. Oh, is it? Okay. There's a declining birth rate. You know, at our age, we don't really think about this too much. 
the, the, the birth rate is really declining. So all college, yeah. all colleges are competing for the same people. So when they, when colleges, and I won't be critical of any of them, but when they euphemistically say that, oh, there's a lot more people applying for schools, you know, a lot of people apply. I'm sure, Angela, your daughter has experienced this with her peers. They apply to 20 schools. They're not going to go to 20 schools, but those are all admissions, you know, or uh, applications. So I, we find that, that schools are really, really, really struggling for kids. Okay. Yep. All right. So you have you have control. The student has more control Absolutely. than Absolutely. they might think they have. And, okay. and it's really important. You know, uh, I don't know if your daughter has come, has come home with any of these stories yet, Angela, but... You know, the kids are getting all stressed out now. Seniors are getting all stressed out because one kid got accepted there and I didn't get accepted there yet. You know, those kind of things. We're really early in the acceptance cycle. And uh, you don't have to make a decision to go to college till May 1st. Now, they all, as soon as they accept you, they... She's only a junior, so yeah, she's that's still a, got a little time, but we want to yeah. get ahead of the day. Oh, yeah. That's, that's a great idea. We recommend that sophomores and juniors are the time to start. Angela, I hope that helped a little bit. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast with us. Okay, great. Thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it. Best of luck, Angela. Thank you. Take care. Moving on to an email now that I got from Amy. She says, it's a struggle to pay down my college loan. We are a one-income family right now with a newborn. Is there any way to lower my interest on my loan? I can't get refinanced because my debt-to-income ratio is too high. I feel stuck. Any advice for her? Well, the first thing we would look at, uh, because we do our own lending, as I said earlier, Sandy, is to look at her credit score. Uh, we can. We have the ability to shop her student loan. You have to be out. One of the conditions is you have to be out of school for two years or more. Okay. Um, and and you know therein lies the whole problem of student loans. One of the things not to not to complicate the issue too much, but student loans are not like a simple interest loan like your mortgage. So you and your husband Sandy can pay your. You know if you if you were blessed with a big sum of money, you can pay your mortgage off. That's not the way it works with student loans. Student loans have what's called capitalized interest. Mm -hmm. So you're paying interest on interest. Now, most people are totally unfamiliar with that. What The first thing I would do is look at her credit score. I'd look at how much she has out in the way of loans. I, I couldn't say one way or another whether we could refinance them, but we do a lot of loan refinancing. But the, the important thing would be to finance without capitalized interest. What, what I, had, I was doing this uh, financial aid package with one of, one of our clients who are divorced, the husband was there, the father was there, the mother, and the mother's a professional person. And she, as we're walking out of our conference room, she said to me, uh, Paul, can you help me with my loans? And I said, wow, you know, she, I'm, she's not old, but she's certainly been yeah. out of college almost 20 years. I said, sure. Can you send me your statement? Now, listen to this. This is because of capitalized interest. When she graduated initially at SUNY school, she had $51,000 in student loans. She's been paying $473 a month for 16 years. She still owes $31,000. She's paid back $71,000 and still owes $31,000. Well, and that's what the statistics said, that in your 40s, you still owe $30,000 mm -hmm. on average. Yeah. Right. This, this woman, who's a professional, a very bright lady, said to me, I never realized I wasn't paying back the interest. So the interest, you know, you're paying back the principal. You have to designate that you're paying the interest and principal, or they just put it on the uh, principal. So... It's a really a, a self-defeating process. That's why we, we've got people in their 70s owe $100,000, and the original amount was $35,000. So what do we need to do? If you, you need, right now are in your 40s, 50s, right. and you're still paying your own loans, what do you, what's your first, first step? First of all, you need to understand how to pay them back. You have to make sure you pay that interest every month. Because if you don't, the interest is, you know, okay. pay, you're paying interest on interest. You really need to, in, in a nutshell, you really need to understand how to pay the loans back. One of the biggest things we do is educate people on how much to pay every month and where it goes. You know, it's like 
If you had five credit cards and you only paid three of them back, eventually those other two would be out of control. That's what happens to people with student loans. They don't know how to pay it back. And once the government takes the loan, they give it to a loan servicer, and they don't care about anything. I mean, the loan servicer we've found are very, very unhelpful. So if you were to give one piece of advice for, A, the the mom or the dad in the situation of Angela who has a student shopping around colleges, what piece of advice would you give her? You, you need to be an informed consumer. We look at this as a huge consumer purchase. We apply the same principles to defining and, and identifying and choosing a college that we do to buying a house. If you and your uh, husband were going to move to Pittsburgh, you you know the area, but you don't know that well, you know, because you, you live on the west side. You would you would market shop and you would just not go out and buy the first house you see. And you would certainly not let your daughter, who's a delightful young lady, but you wouldn't say, "Hun, why don't you come with us and you tell us what house you want? That's what people do with college. They let a 17 year old make a 200, $150,000, $200,000 decision on emotion. You know, I want to go to Ohio State because I like their football team. Really? That that makes sense? Well, but that's what happens. Okay. And it happens all the time. So we try to take the emotion out of it. The average person, in, as you heard me tell Angela, changes majors four times. And that's crazy. I mean, that means you didn't know what you wanted to do when you go to yeah. college. You if you're not certain, then would you suggest an MCC? Community or, college. Okay. Community college, or if you qualify for the Excelsior program, one of the SUNY schools is the greatest. All right. So now the one piece of advice that you would give the person like Amy, who is dealing in her 40s with her own college loans. Mm-hmm. How else can we refinance this, right? Because it, it'll stick with you forever. You know, if, if the worst case, if you, if you somehow default on your student loans and their government loans, they're going to hit your Social Security. They're going to, I mean, it'll impact your life forever. This isn't like defaulting on a home mortgage, right? They'll take your house away and yeah, it'll be terrible on your record for a few years. College loans stick with you forever. And that's what people don't realize. And you mentioned when we were referring to Amy's question, you mentioned about credit score. What is that ideal credit score to achieve? If, if you're under 600, it? it's really difficult to get you okay. 600. I mean, we, we have been successful with people in the 500s, but it's really challenging. So if you want to refinance, yeah. it's crucial. Your credit score and you know, is crucial. And you know, Sandy, most people understand this. I know you do. But it's all about paying your bills on time. I mean, we've had people with a with less than 600 credit score, and they're both good earners. And we say, well, why why is your credit score so low? And they say, we, we pay our bills 30 days late. Well, goodness gracious, couldn't you pay them on time 30 days early, just yeah. one month, okay. and then start that trend? You know you know what I mean? Yeah. It's those little things that make such a difference. we got to make it a priority. Well, Paul, thank you so much for helping us out today. Paul Salich from College Assistance Plus, collegeassistanceplus.com. Oh, Sandy, it's always great seeing you. Thank you. Now, like we do every week, we end the podcast with my dad. My dad always has the best advice, sweet and simple. Father knows best. My dad's two cents. Have a great weekend. Dominate your finances. Trying to keep up with big spending friends and neighbors is never a good idea. It's a never ending game with no true winners. Buying stuff won't make you happier in the long run. So stick to a well-disciplined savings plan and you'll reach the level of financial stability so you don't have to worry about an unexpected curveball that impacts your finances. 